Cards are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them, give them all a cookie and make them settle down. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, today has been the worst day ever. And I know we promised you guys more positivity. And trust me, this is a positive episode. Uh, what we did run into was... Not if uh, you're an Oilers fan. Not if you're an Oilers fan. We did run into some uh, a technical... Basically a wire crapped out on us. And um, luckily for myself and Evan, but not for you guys who actually are part of the Brad Brigade, uh, Brad's voice wasn't picking up on his own mic. And so uh, we have about the first 40 minutes of this podcast recorded. It's closer to 30 because once we chop out that extra little That's bit. That's true. It's uh, essentially everything that we covered about Shirelli in, in the Red Wings so far, um, and even some like trade talk, that's what we cleared. It was, it was a good amount. It was mostly... Oilers. Yeah. Um, Brad will sound distant or just like he's somewhere else in the room. You can still definitely hear him. Because I was picking up on their mics. Yeah. And we did some audio engineering. Uh, My recommendation to you is when you get to that part of the episode, we're going to splice it onto the end of this. So we're going to do top prospects right now over time and then splice our uh, iffy audio onto the end. When you get to that part, balance your sound uh, to my voice. This is Ryan and Evan's voice. Our mics were fine. Don't balance it to Brad's because then you'll get a big jolt when myself or Evan say, say something. We didn't want to throw away the audio. It was, it was a good episode to, to so far. And we've only ever lost one episode out of the hundreds that we've done. So we want to keep that streak. So uh, we're just going to get started. So we're going to get into the top prospects. Part of the conversation. Prospects. Talk. So actually, this is us starting the episode now. With positivity. Yeah. Because the Red Wings are likely going to get one of these players. Maybe multiple. The, uh, Edmonton. This was this was a, a well-timed episode because Bob McKenzie's list came out today. And the top pro- CHL top prospects game was last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, this last night and this morning. Because I fell asleep in the first intermission. Because it was out west and it was a time delay and that was annoying. Um, Takeaway from the game to summarize. Kirby Doc is a very, very smart player who plays at a very slow pace. I have concerns about his ability to transition to an NHL pace, but his IQ and his skill are very much there. Dylan Cousins skates really fast but did not show a lot last night. Again, we're talking about one game. This is all sample size, guys, so take this with a grain of salt. My big my big takeaway was Peyton Krebs, I think, should be in that conversation with Doc and Cousins because he's smaller than them. He's only 5'11". Both those guys, I think, are 6'2". plus. Um, He's very fast and has a high hockey IQ and plays with a very high motor. It's a rare combination, and he impressed the hell out of me. I think he had a goal and an assist or a goal and two assists. His line with Arthur Kaliev and Nick Robertson was easily the best line in the game. Nick Robertson being a second-round pick uh, projection is criminal. Um, that being said, he does remind me a lot of Jonathan Bergeron, so go figure. Um, but yeah, Peyton Krebs might be um, Joe Valeno 2.0 for me. He's your guy this year, right? Eh? He might be. I'm gonna. I haven't admittedly watched a ton of Krebs this year because I've been watching more of Cousins and Doc. Krebs is gonna be priority viewing for me for the rest of the year whenever I can find a stream or a game or some highlights because I, I came away more impressed with him last night than the other two. So uh, Mackenzie's list when we started. Uh, you told me that Mackenzie's list came out today, and I was surprised. I was like, oh, I was on his feed today. I didn't see anything. And then Evan turned to me and goes, oh, yeah, Dylan Cousins was number one. And I was kind of like stared at Evan wide-eyed. And then he stared back, and I turned to you, and you kind of just stared back at me smiling, and I stared back at Evan. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. And I turned back to you, and you're like, no. <laughs> it's not as funny as when I, when I said it the first time. No. 
No, it's definitely not. Uh, Jack Hughes still tops uh, Bob McKenzie's list at number one. Um, maybe I'll read out the top 15. Because read the, out the top 15. The Red Wings can't finish below 15th pick because they are not making the playoffs. Uh, number two uh, from Finland, Capo Caco. Number three from St. Petersburg in the MHL, lower league of the KHL in Russia, Vasily Podkolzin. Number four of the dub. The WHL has a big year. Uh, Kirby Dock. Number five from the dub, Dylan Cousins. Number six from the dub, first defenseman to show up on the list, Bowen Bowen Byram. Rub dub dub the dub dub dub. <laughs> number seven, Matthew Boldy of the uh, national development team in the states. Number eight, Philip Broberg from Sweden, another defenseman. Number nine, Peyton Krebs, uh, Brad's new crush from the dub. Number ten, Trevor Zegras from the national development team. Number eleven, Alex Turcott, also from the states. Number 12. It's a big year for the US NDDP. I think they had eight players ranked in the first round on McKenzie's list. Number 12, Ryan Suzuki, the second of his name from Barry in the O. The first player to show up on McKenzie's list from the O is at number 12. Only three total in the first round, which is very rare for the OHL. Off year for the OHL. The US NDDP has eight players, the entire OHL league has three. Uh, number 13, Arthur Kaliev in Hamilton of the O. Number 14, Raphael Lavoie of Halifax in the Q. And Cam York from the National Development Team, another defenseman to round out the top 15. That is... Uh, Not a ton of surprises there. Broberg made a pretty significant jump from a bunch of other rankings I've seen. But when you have a six foot two defenseman who skates like the wind with offensive instinct... Uh, most scouts are going to look past his flaws. Um, based on the tankathon I ran today, Detroit would be picking number six. So, oh, I'll run a tankathon. So number six would get them Bowen Byram. I wouldn't. Who I would not take there personally. Who would you take? Krebs. Assuming the top five goes as the top five, I th- I still think Detroit has a Byram. Watching, I've watched a lot of him. I like him. He's a great skater. He's aggressive. He's a good player. I have concerns about his hockey IQ. The talent is there. He's not an elite decision maker, and I don't know if I grab someone in the top 10 that's not an elite decision maker. Sorry, go ahead. Hmm? Nothing. I was singing Adele. Uh Uh-huh. Did you run a -a tankathon? I'll do it. I did it. Detroit moved down one spot to number five, which would garner... Uh, according to Bob's list, Dylan Cousins. Number one overall pick, Dylan Cousins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't go wrong with that. Nah, a, a centerman would probably round out Detroit's uh, center depth to well above average. Yep. Yeah. Um, and again, I will still argue Detroit has a bigger need for a forward than a defenseman. Unless that defenseman is an elite, true number one defenseman. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That does not exist in this draft as of right now from the looks of it. Uh, you could always just try to get like a. When was Victor Hedman drafted? Two thousand and nine, second overall. Because there's someone, there's a defenseman in his draft year who ended up being very good, and I can't remember who it is. Was Anyhow. it? Was it Tyler Myers? Or was no Tyler Myers was the year before. Oh no, that was a great draft year for de- for defenseman Hedman, uh, Ekman Larson. Oh yeah. Ryan Ellis, uh, Nick Letty was there, but only two number one defensemen. 
which is probably even rare for a draft, if we're being honest. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I was mistaken. No, Maybe. it was 2008, I think, was the crazy defenseman draft. Doughty, Petrangelo, <laughs> Myers was in that one. Mm, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, this is the anti-that draft. If you want forwards, oh, you have it in spades in this draft. But um, as I was saying in some audio that didn't make this episode... Um, I don't make it. It's just at the end. The reading. Oh, no, never mind. We're cutting it. We're cutting it. We're just going to put the Edmonton at the dis, uh, stuff at the end. Um, this draft, there seems to be a big drop off at number three. Again, as much as I like Doc Cousins, Byram, Krebs, I don't view any of them as elite players. Very, very good players. I think the only three players in this draft who I would rank like as elite to high end are Hughes, Kako, and Pud Colson. Uh, one of the ten scouts. Bob McKenzie surveyed for his list had Pod Coles in number two mm. over Kako. Uh, I don't agree with that, but that's very interesting. I do agree with the top three. Um, yeah, it's. Does that solidify the whole Kako Hughes thing as kind of dead in the water where Hughes is probably going to hold number one now? Well, McKenzie's article is still saying it was 10 out of 10 scouts still had Hughes number one. It, the gap is closed. They said almost every scout said the gap has closed, but it's still Hughes number one. But I think the only thing that really pisses me off about the way everything's thing is Detroit, in my mind, now has to win one of the three lottery spots to get like a a possible franchise-changing player. They got to stop winning games. They do. Abdulkader missing empty nets helps. <laughs> um, that part of the audio is staying in. It's, it's going to be an interesting draft because if Detroit gets past... Man, if they get past three... I don't think there's a huge separation between Doc, Cousins, Krebs, Byram, Broberg, Boldy, Turcotte, Zegris. I, it, it's wide open. Honestly, God, if Detroit's picking four, I would heavily entertain a trade back. If there's anybody in that five to ten range willing to do it, I would absolutely consider it. I just I don't see it's it's a very deep draft, but it is not a high end draft. Once you get past the top three, hey Edmonton. Hey, Edmonton. You need a Kirby Doc. He plays like one province over from you. This offseason, I'm going to get... Are, are we... Is that it for prospects, you think? What do you mean? I want to talk about offer sheets. You want to talk about offer sheets? Just very quickly. Okay, let's talk about offer sheets. Are they going to happen this offseason? No. All right, that's been offer sheets on the Winged Wheel podcast. Should they? Yes. Someone was throwing out a crazy theory that you... Th- you should offer sheet Matthews and Marner. Yeah. And then Toronto can only match one of them and you get the other. Someone said the Arizona, <laughs> Arizona Coyotes, and this is just like some crazy saying something crazy, but the Arizona Coyotes should offer sheet Marner, and when it's matched, you offer sheet Matthews right after. I, I'm here for this Honestly, chaos. Honestly, that's the kind of chaos that you all need to subscribe to. Yes, 100%. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to Toronto because I, if the old guard is ever, if the old boys club is ever going to pick on anybody, it's going to be the young GMs. So what I like, am absolutely here for is the two young GMs offer sheeting each other. Yes. Let's go. Someone was like, oh, you want to give up four first round picks? I'm sorry. Your four first round picks, statistically speaking, none of those players will be as good as Mitch Marner, let alone as good as for example, Austin Matthews. Would you give up Kyle Quincy, Brandon Smith, Larkin, and Rasmussen for that, Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews? Is that even a question? <laughs> it's it's like a rhetorical, but please still answer. 
I know what the answer is. You would is. have to be pretty damn confident in turning your team around right away, though, because if those are four top 10 picks, you've made an awful mistake. If those are four picks, 20 to 30, oh, yeah, you'd make that. You do that 10 out of 10 times. I'd give up four Michael Rasmussen's. I give up four to To be Lawrence. fair, that was a weak draft and maybe not the best. To be pick, honest, I might even give up of Zadina right now. They, oh. You know what you're getting in yeah. both of those players. 100%. Yeah. Well, let's look at this. But four of them, not just I, one. I would give up four Zadinas for one of Marner or Matthews. You know what yeah. they are. You yeah. know what they are. Marner's, Marner's going to put up 100 points okay. this year. Okay, Detroit. Yeah, he's not an all-star. Uh, for for fun hypotheticals, if it goes bad, if it goes poorly, Detroit's last four first-round picks: Zadina, Rasmussen, Svechnikov. Oh, Chaloski, Svechnikov. I a hundred and ten thousand percent do that. It's not a question. There's zero questions here. Zadina, Don't ask though. any questions. No, uh, no questions, Brad. None. I will give up. I would give up Zadina five times for one of those guys. It's like you, I hope you're wrong. Even Edmonton. I would, hope you're wrong. That's my take. That's my take. Is I hope you're wrong. I'm not sure you're wrong, but I hope you're wrong. Because we need Zadina to be like not Matthews and Marner good, but like you know approaching. I'm not saying I don't like Zadina. I'm saying if giving up that many firsts results in us getting an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good with yeah, that. Yeah, like I said, the, the the only way you offer sheet a player like that is you are pretty damn confident you are not making many more top ten picks. No, you know Arizona's not. Arizona's like two points out of a playoff spot right now, and their injury, their roster is pretty much all on IR. Everybody's hurt. John Shake is actually playing second line defense right now. Yeah, he's actually he'd be the third best defenseman in Detroit though. <laughs> he's too young. He'd be getting scratched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Oh my God. What did you really if do they actually? if they scratched Heronic and put him in, he would be the youngest defenseman on the Red Wings right now. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! He's younger than Nick Jensen. Hmm. Oh no! And with that, should, should oh we, no! Should we maybe move to overtime? Oh yeah! Yeah, we're gonna head over to overtime. This is our midweek episode, uh, or our weekday episode. So of course, our patrons. Uh, have exclusive rights to overtime. Their comments read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you. How weird is it listening to overtime 15 minutes into an episode? <laughs> yeah. Hey, nice change of pace. This will be about an hour long episode. <laughs> uh, Antonio says thoughts on the rumor that Datsuk might be coming back to the NHL. I'm excited to see his name pop up, but I really think the last thing we need is another veteran player that will hold back the development of the team. Not saying he won't help the players, but our track record shows we are going to stay overly loyal to him to a fault, and accountability will be non-existent because he's the magic man. Okay. I am 100% against bringing someone in for veteran presence. I am 100% against bringing old guys in when you're trying to create roster spots for the young guy. But if we lose Ferk, Vanek, and Nyquist, and we bring in Datsuk to mentor... um, Zadina? Yes, please. Oh my god, yes. I'm 100% on board. This is the type of veteran presence you want. This is... You do not want Zadina learning from Abdulkader and Helm. You want Zadina learning from Datsuk. Datsuk is what Holland thinks Vanek should be. Yes. For all the reasons you brought in Vanek, that's why you bring in Datsuk. That being said, my guess is this is just posturing from his agent to get a better contract in the KHL. I 100% agree. 
Hunter Saunders says, Sup, guys, it's been a while since I posted on here, but I have been unbearable on Twitter, as always, to make up for it. With the openings in Edmonton and Seattle, what do you think the chances of Kenny leaving after the season with a year left on his contract to take one of those jobs is? My guess is I would put it at maybe a 10% chance. He's... I, I don't see Kenny leaving Detroit. I think the two most likely scenarios, Kenny takes a higher position in the front office and Steve Eisman steps in as the GM this summer. The second most likely option is Kenny steps in and takes a higher position in the Red Wings organization and Steve Eisman steps over as GM next summer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like, And you'll see when you listen to our stuff that we'll splice in after this, we did mention it. But if we're talking betting odds, it'd still be low. Secondly, do you think there's a chance we see both Chalosky and Hronik in the A after the All-Star break with Daly's impending return and no trades being made yet? I'd be pissed, but Calder Cups are cool too. There's no way they can send Chalosky down at this point. There is absolutely no goddamn way. They still need a seventh defenseman, even if he's riding the press box. So I don't think we see a point where both go down. Lastly, how does it feel to see Ohio State surpassing uh, Michigan this season in hockey? I don't think it lasts as OSU is an older team, but it's fun to see as an Ohioan, uh, Ohioan hey. who hey. can see the state of Michigan from his apartment. Thanks, guys, and have a great weekend. Hey. Uh, I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. Yep. Joe Deppy says, thanks for doing the live stream. It was a fun time. Thank you for joining. Uh, hearing Ken and Ray Ferraro in the Edmonton game was fun, too. Uh, definitely better than the usual knuckleheads on NBC. I'm sure you'll talk about Peter Shirelli. Stay tuned. Uh, but how fitting was the Koskinen signing right before he gets fired? It's like he, was, he knew he was getting fired and gave the team a big FU before he left. I think he was trying to save his job. And then Luke Glendening did. Yeah. Simon says, hey, guys, love the podcast. Oh, my God, the empty net made more saves than Koskinen almost. Yeah. Simon says, hey, guys, love the podcast, and thanks for always providing quality Wings-related content. It's always nice to listen to some good hockey banter in a city where seemingly 99% of the population are Warriors fans uh, who know that the the Sharks and NHL exist. Uh, Anyway, on to the question. Uh, Backtracking to the article, talking about Detroit being a contender in 21-22, how would you guys project our actual 21-22 roster Lines, pairings, goalies, if Ken Holland and Blashell were to keep the current jobs. I'm talking questionable line roster decisions, frustrating contract extensions, free agent signings, and all cheers. Oh, man. Remember those two top six forward spots I was talking about and those two um, top four defenseman spots we were talking about? Yeah. Justin Ablicator, Darren Helm, Jonathan Erickson, and Trevor Daly. And if not those exact players, those type of players. Uh, Jed Eichbrecht who I believe is a new patron, so thank you for the support and welcome to the family. He says, how's it going, Brad and Ryan? I'd ask how Shea Lobsinger, or uh, Evan, is doing, but he probably decided to go up to the lake country to get snowed in because of Canada things. That's uh, n- Sunday. That's Sunday. That's next episode. <laughs> yeah. First time poster on Patreon, but a long-time listener. Back to some of the first days of the pod. Thank you guys for being a good listener during the week. Thank you so much, Jed. That support means the world to us. My only comment is that I'm thrilled as a hockey fan that Shirelli got fired because, my God, is he horrible? But I'm disappointed we never got a chance to fleece him before he got fired. Damn it, Kenny. Take care, gents, and Brad, please shut up. Hashtag Brad Brigade. Oh, Fitting this episode soon. Uh, (laughs) This is weird talking about stuff we've already talked about. I know. Thank you again, Jed. Marissa says, hey, y'all. Today I got a non-hockey question for me and a hockey question for my brother, Mike. Hello, Mike. Uh, He wants to be a patron, but he's too poor right now. Don't worry about it, Mike. Thank you for your support from everybody. That's why we need the Patreon. <laughs> he loves you guys, though, so he's going to do it as soon as he can. Hey, take your time. Your support is all that matters. Uh, Mike's question, what percentage of line changes during play are determined directly by the coach or just when the players feel tired and decide to get off? 
If there's a good amount of strategy behind it, how much uh, of winning the game depends on that. So changing on the fly, like as in the players coming off the ice, that's 100% on the players. Like the coaches will give direction like 30 to 45 and get the hell off the ice, but that's still up to the players to determine that. The coach decides who's jumping over the boards when they come off, not when they're yeah. coming off. So in, in high pressure playoff scenarios, you'll see the head coach make that decision more in the grind of it. Sometimes that'll be deferred to the assistant coach. Um, it's some coaches have systems that say they'll say like uh, uh, Crisco, you got forty five when he comes off, or they'll say like line two is out next, yeah. that kind of thing. They have different systems of doing it. Uh, whistles, they control everything. But. Yeah, ninety percent of the time, the coach decides who's next. There is the odd scenario where a player knows they always come on after this guy if it's in like the middle of a cycle. In terms of when they come off, it's when they're tired. That's eighty five to ninety percent of the time. That's a coach might time. a coach might call them off or say, go out there thirty seconds, get it in deep, and then come get right the hell off. Yeah, like the Glendening, go win this draw on the power play and then leave, even though that doesn't really work. But you know. Yeah. Uh Marissa's question, who are your favorite Brooklyn nine nine characters? Mine's probably a tie between Terry and Holt with Jake in second place, but I love all of them. Mine's Holt. I love Holt so much. I watched the two episodes, by the way, of the season. Good. I've got the. I gotta watch the third one when I go upstairs. As I'm editing. Th- oh, the third one is out. Yeah. It's today. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna. S- it's a three-way tie for me between Holt, Terry, and Gina. Evan, what was the question? Your favorite Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine character. Oh, I've never watched an episode oh, in my geez. life. Asshole, you're such a Hitchcock. I don't watch much TV. <laughs> Advanced Water says, "Are there any draft picks after the first round? You guys are excited about." Uh, yeah. Nick Robertson, yeah. uh, very much so. Um, Pavel Dorofiev, and he's now in Bob's list rankings, jumped up just barely into the third round. But I've always had my own Connor McMichael. And I really hope Brett Leeson is it, or is it, yeah, Brett Leeson? Yeah, the I hope he drops a little bit out of the first round. He's gone up. <laughs> I know. He's good. Uh, I know the Islanders are doing disappointingly well for our hopes of a great extra second round pick, but if I remember right, the Red Wings have four to five extra picks this season. They have 11 total. Um, They've got a first, they've got two seconds, a third, a fourth, I think three fifths. Something like that. And a sixth and a seventh. Yeah, I believe. It's a good season to be. I can actually pull it up right now as I keep reading. Um, The Red Wings, next draft, they have an extra second two extra fifths and an extra seventh. But I think the extra seventh is like on a condition that just ain't going to happen. Yeah. It's something about Robbie Russo. Although a lot of injuries. Um, anyway, keep up the good work. Love the podcast. Thank you. Advanced water. Uh, the Nibler says just listen to 31 thoughts. And it was interesting here that the Oilers are interested in Athens. Uh, are there any good trade scenarios you could see where we would part with Athens? Keep in mind that Oilers probably won't move dry or McDavid. I repeat Evan Bouchard, or if we want to get real optimistic, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, when Brad says, I repeat, he means it'll be in the segment that we splice in after this. Yes. Rowan says, I hope you enjoyed elite playmaker Darren Helms passing Glenn Denning the other day. It's no coincidence that when Glenn Denning played on a line with elite top liner Darren Helm, he scores two goals, is it? I feel like this is a master plan to showcase Glenn Denning in uh, readiness for a very lopsided trade with, uh, I don't know, maybe a team who li- needs to likely go through Tampa for the cup with a coach that loves him. Hello Toronto. Why yes, we would happy we would be happy with your first in Rasmus Sandine because you should totally mortgage the future for this year. Do not sleep on an actual sarcasm aside, do not sleep on an actual trade between Toronto and Detroit cuz Detroit has a few pieces that is exactly what Toronto's looking for and Toronto is said to be shopping everything 
every prospect, every pick is available with the exception of Rasmus Sandin. Even Timothy Liljegren is available. And they're first. There could be one hell of a deal there because Toronto's left side defense, very strong. Right side of their defense, a catastrophic disaster of Detroit levels. Nick Jensen is the perfect fit for what they're trying to do. Uh, Jersey time, favorite all-star jersey. I can save you the time. It's the 1992, and I'm going to say 84 to 86 are great as well. Here's a reference link. I want to pull up 1992. Uh, I don't know the year, but I know the jerseys already. Those ones are dope. 84 to 86 were good. I really like 04s. I love 04s. I think they're awesome, like Minnesota style. Pull up mid-90s for me. It's all here. Okay, see the, the purple and black and the white and teal? Oh, those, yeah. those, those, are, oh, those yeah. are the winners. He likes the 94 to 97 ones. Uh, Chris Gatchel says, hey, guys, we finally got a win and it cost someone their job. Ouch. My question is based on Dan uh, Carcillo. I don't know if you guys follow him on Twitter, but he's been all over the place going after the NHL and representatives of the NHL. Uh, people who broadcast for the game like NBC, Sportsnet, TSN guys, mainly how they aren't discussing concussion uh, issues and more. He goes after former players about concussion issues and treatment of the players. Yesterday, he posted on his Twitter about the NHLPA salaries and discussed how they use lawyers from New York when they're a union based in Toronto. I guess my question is, how do you guys feel about what, what Carcelo is doing? Do you feel like his way of doing and what he's doing is the right way to go about it? Here's a link to that NHLPA salary he posted. Here's my thing about Carcelo. I think his overall cause is fantastic um i will never hate on the guy for trying to bring more attention to something that is so devastatingly underrepresented in professional sports it is going to be looked back on as the biggest set source of shame for professional sports in 50 years do i think he's sometimes divisive and possibly inflammatory yeah um i think that's his point do i think sometimes he's just flat out wrong yeah you know i i'm his his episode with on I believe it was thirty one thoughts he was talking to Jeff Merrick his the marijuana episode wasn't that Riley Cote wasn't it Carcel oh you know what no that was Riley Cote yeah you're right I'm gonna pull that back I retract that anyhow is he divisive yes is is he inflammatory yes but I think that's his point um, whether it's everyone's cup of tea I I think it's fine to have that character within the the world of professional sports I think players who are spoken out about these kinds of things is what professional sports needs more of i hate milk toast i hate white bread everything in hockey i i don't mind a little bit of character what the uh, hell is milk toast with a q what what the hell are you talking about <laughs> that's what you said was it not yeah it is i'm not gonna explain more is i like the, milk toast almost french toast i like the look on your faces Milk I'm toast. hungry for French toast. M I M I L Q U E T O A S T. It's like uh, like white bread, like bleh, like bland people. Like this, what what when we call someone white bread, they're milk toast. I've yeah. never heard of that in my life. Are you talking about white bread, like milk toast? Is that like a bland like white like bread, or is that a like timid racial? or feeble person? Feeble, insipid, <laughs> or bland? Your milk toast, Ryan. <laughs> Your milk toast, you dunce. Kaylin Wood says one thing that was brought up on Thirty One Thoughts Pod. Not as good as my Dub Dub Boys. Don't hate me for mentioning. Uh, no, it's okay. There, that's a that's a friend pod. Friend of the podcast, Jeff Merrick. Elliot, uh, any day now. Buddy. I don't think he can. I think contractually he can't. I think that's why. But Merrick, ah, he must have. He just he wanted to be on the dubbed up so bad. We've we've already you realize we have already had three separate people under the employee of Sportsnet on this podcast. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
He thought it was interesting was that something to the effect of what are player numbers that have a cool story, et cetera, et cetera. No one brought up that one of my faves as a 30-year-old. Age does matter. I think it's super cool that Crosby, who I still think is a total weenie but I appreciate his talents, is 87, the year he was born. McDavid is 97, the year he was born. This is awesome in my book. Who is your favorite? Side note, I'll never root for anyone losing their job, but kind of cool slash depressing that the Wings' victory over the Oilers may have been the straw to break the old, sad, sad, weak, bad, super bad back Milk toast back of Shirelli. He didn't say milk toast. But, um, but also, now who do we take advantage of? Cheers, buds. Let's go Red Wings. Um, so you missed the coolest part of Crosby's number. It's not just that he was born in 1987. He was born on August 7th, 1987. <laughs> so his birthday is literally 8787. And his contract value is? 8.7. I thought it was because it was a prime number. Uh, I don't know too many other really cool number stories. There's the Gretzky story of he idolized Gordie Howe. Uh, when he got to Sault Ste. Marie, he wanted number nine, but one of the vets already said number nine. He wore, I think, number 14 for a couple games until the trainer said... It's my favorite number. Said, uh, why not oh, two gosh. nines? That's true. And he's been wearing 99. He wore I thought it was the year since. he was born. 69 yep. will be hilarious. P.S. I think it kind of sucks. I can't order a Wings All-Star sweater. You literally can't buy one unless I'm a dumb idiot. Fans, correct me if I'm wrong. You can't? I've never attempted to buy an All-Star jersey, so I couldn't tell you. That'd be stupid. AliExpress has one coming your way in four to six months. And it's uh, probably going to spell Howard with a T. I remember they spelled Nyquist with an I at the end. Nyquisty? <laughs> or was it Ny- or was it Nyquisty? It was brutal. I was like, something's wrong with this jersey. I can't quite figure it out. And then I learned to spell again. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking it up right now, and you cannot. What? Really? This is NHL Shop Canada. Those... It says you can buy them. No, that's not. That's not the Detroit oh, the, bill. Oh. Yeah. Let's see about. Let's see about America though. That's because Jimmy Howard's been traded, mm. and we haven't found out yet. Jimmy Howard's thick, hey, thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. He is. But you know what? He deserves it, and his play hasn't suffered. Uh, that's, get, that's the most impressive part. Yeah. He's like a lunch pail kind of guy, like Ben Roethlisberger. The next comment is from someone who gave me the pronunciation of their name before, and I forgot it. So forgive me if I say it wrong. Mike Gemignani says. Hey guys, I know Antonio mentioned the Datsuk rumor already, but I saw a Yahoo article where his agent said he would be a center on the second or third line or a wing on the first or second line and play on the first power play. Just hoping to get your thoughts on this. At 40, I think that's a little ambitious. As always, great job. Loving the podcast. Go Wings, but only kind of because Hughes. I don't think he's that wrong. Second line winger on the current iteration of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, he'd fit in just fine. Yeah, I feel like Yager is still maybe a better fit because I bet you he's still just yoked out of his mind. <laughs> Think of Datsuk, Mantha, and Athanasiu. Datsuk centering those two. They find the open space with their speed. Datsuk Ryan, doesn't... I'm, I'm, I'm wearing very thin pants yeah, here, Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to get uncomfortable for you. <laughs> uh, boy, I really want to see if we can buy these jerseys. I don't, th- I don't think it's fair that we wouldn't be able to. I'm going to try one more time. Let's head over to the American store, where our dollars are worth absolutely nothing. Oh, it's horrible. And we click on this, and you, uh, you can't, you can't buy a Red Wings All Star jersey. Oh yeah, they're not literally wrong. not selling them. What There's the hell? Every other team's jersey. <laughs> oh my god. That's Wait, is I'm... there every other team's jersey? Uh, I'm not counting. That. Uh, you know it looks close. We'll take it. We'll take the guess ah. and say that every other team's on there. That's embarrassing. Okay, so what I'm gonna do right now is our end of episode readout, and then if you want to listen to the audio where Brad sounds like he's on the other side of the well, not on the other side of the room, across the table, 
stay tuned. Please tune your volume level to my voice, not what you will hear as Brad's. Just be cool with Brad's being a little quieter. Tune into my voice for the sake of your eardrums. It's not that bad. We we did fix it a little bit. Yeah, you we levelated it. You should be able to. So, but it is what was originally the first part of this episode. But to wrap up, because we're gonna technically stop recording right now, uh, we want to thank all of you for listening, all our supporters, our Patreon patrons, our name level sponsors: Sean Levine, Chad Hiersack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippert, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, Hannah Lee. Thank you all so, 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 so much. Uh, all our listeners, if you guys want to support the show in other ways, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Winged Wheel Pod, and then follow our individual accounts. We love interacting with you on Twitter. I don't know if it got cut out. Don't forget to include the Evan bet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Evan has to contribute to the uh, something that we're doing on the Sunday episode, or the... Um, yeah, the Sunday episode, Sunday episode, which is mid-season awards, um, and he said the only way he'll do it is if he reaches a thousand followers. He's currently at nine nine three. Do you he explain needs- it because I'm not here? I don't want to do it. Oh yeah, not Evan's here. not here. He doesn't want to submit his list, so me and Ryan can absolutely shred it. Yeah, uh, without him being here <laughs> to defend himself. Yeah. He's and uh, like, how do we take it when the Hart MVP award winner is Steve Ott? <laughs> hey, he's he's up there again this year. He listened to Dylan Cousins. <laughs> That's weird. And with that, stay tuned. We are going to transition now into what should have been the beginning of episode audio, which we did recover. Our streak of only losing one episode ever continues. Enjoy. To the city of Edmonton. You are welcome. Now, half of you must subscribe to our Patreon page as, di- as payment. We didn't. This isn't what we were. We didn't want to be involved with Edmonton in this way. We felt bad, and as hockey fans, you, you hate to see McDavid's legitimate, like, literal prime be wasted away. But they were supposed to help us. We were supposed to take advantage of them. They were vulnerable. No one's trading to Ken Holland now. No! That's it. That was our chance to, to tra- get our King's Ransom, a better trade. <laughs> now everyone hates Ken Holland because there's no bottoms rung GM anymore. Well, maybe there is, but I we haven't evaluated oh, it yet. They the what's Sweeney doing? <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers lost to at the time the literal last place team in the NHL, and apparently that was enough for Katz and, and Bob Nicholson to go. Oh yeah, yeah, we gotta. This is didn't even make it to the third period. Yeah, in the middle of the game, they fired him at second intermission. They, he asked what he had to do with his fifty-fifty tickets. No way. No, I made that up. Oh my. Okay, all right, all right. Before we start laughing at me, that's how crazy things have gotten where I actually had to ask if that was a serious question. The reasoning for firing him in the middle of the game was they wanted to give him a chance to leave the building quietly. To which I say, why not fire him when they're not playing a game with 20,000 The Boiled Boys Club. <laughs> the the 2 p.m. in the afternoon when all the reporters are at home preparing the notes. Nobody's in the arena. You know, seems simple. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm smelling a little bit of BS there. I tend to think it was a combination of they were going to fire him anyway. But then that game was just, again, they were having their show run by the, because again, Edmonton caught up in shots in the third period. They outshot Detroit 17-3 to in the third. But up to that point, Detroit was absolutely running Edmonton's show. And they're just like, no, this is it. We're done.
chop them right now. Someone, someone, I don't know if it was Nicholson or the owner, someone just snapped and they're like, that's it. We're done. The, I like how we're the benchmark for failure. Yeah, at least there's, there Detroit's a benchmark for something. Yeah, I guess. The, they allowed him to sign Miko Koskinen to a multi-year deal worth over $3 million per year with, I think he had 39 NHL games under his belt at that point. You could very well pay out. You generally don't guarantee money to goalies for more than two years for that much money when they have only played 39 If, if you're NHL thinking games. of firing someone, why do they still have the keys to the car? So according to Bob Nicholson, that contract was a collaborative effort. But one of the Oilers beat writers did manage to find out that, sure, everybody above Shirelli might have signed off on him, but that was his contract that he negotiated. Yeah. Um, according to Bob Nicholson, is the easiest way to qualify any sentence that's to come afterwards as completely invalid. Yeah, if you say that's a collaborative thing, that does not make your fan base feel better. Unless this guy turns into an absolute stud, but so we'll come get, on. We're going to go more into Chirelli for sure. Like, Yeah, it's it's crappy to kick the guy while he's down, but you know. What are we going to talk about on the podcast anymore? <laughs> the, the A reporter. Applicator? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. A reporter flat out asked Bob Nicholson, um, in in so many words, whether Shirelli was only part of the problem and then this old boys club, including Nicholson himself, is part of like the root of all of this. And Nicholson <laughs> just went completely past me. He's like, yeah, there's something in the water here in Edmonton that's causing us to to not put things together and, and I'd really like to fix it. Not realizing that the... The reporter was talking about him. Nicholson's what's in the water. Bob Nicholson, Edmonton. Citizens of Edmonton, Bob Nicholson is in your water. Get him out. Ugh. It's, and then they were, uh, what did he say? He said something. It was the, their biggest need now. Uh, as Character. He, yeah, their biggest need that they're going to address is getting character around Connor McDavid. Not defenseman, not talent, not scoring. Character. Maybe just don't talk. Just, just don't talk. The, so, listening to the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, the Elliot Friedman was talking about just that—the old boys' club—and if that was having a thing. And and in 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 Elliot's own way, he managed to kibosh the idea, and yet in my mind, further back it up. Because he was saying, "No, no, no, Gretzky, Kevin Lowe, McTavish—they do not force their way in this organization. They." They give their input. They are asked for their opinions. They give their opinions, but they are not the ones that are making the decisions. If they're not making the decisions, but they're giving their opinions, there's, they're still influencing the decision. Uh, apparently, from what I gather, too, uh, shockingly, Wayne Gretzky seems to be the voice of reason in that organization. Because um, apparently, Kate's there was Elliot didn't say a specific scenario, but Kate's was ready to jump off the deep end with something. Wayne was like, "Breathe, buddy." Whoa. What was it? They don't know. Elliot didn't say what the specific. I need to know. Um, uh, there was another thing too. Apparently, Kate's is the one who pushed them to take Yakupov first overall. Whatever that's worth. Okay, but you know what? Wasn't I can't, he like what? Wasn't we cannot he, hold. Yeah. yeah, everyone thought. Everyone is surprised that Yakupov didn't pan out. And even though hindsight is twenty twenty, if you look at the reasoning as to why Yakupov didn't pan out, that's still not twenty twenty. No, but at the time of the draft, Yakupov was 
the favorite to go number one, but he wasn't consensus. Ryan Murray and him were very close in a lot of polls. And at the time, it took it made far more sense for Edmonton to take a defenseman. So it could have just been one of those things. I don't know. We're touring, guys, and Cates, come, Cates comes in. Yakupov. Take the board, take the flash, whatever it might be. Either way, it doesn't matter. Getting back to the point, yeah, it sounds like the old boys club is very much a thing here. Even if they have... Just because you say it's not doesn't mean it is. Is Sorry. Yeah. I, that, does that make sense? I My English is off. I think they're an It sounds like they're an accidental old boys club. Like, yeah, these guys aren't forcing their opinions, but if you're still asking for them all the time, it's going to influence how you run the team. Yeah. I mean, not that it, they're... I, we don't know. They might not be giving bad opinions. This could be Shirley trumping them all and... No. Yeah, no. No. I, they still employ two of their uh, four former general managers. Uh, th- oh, think of it Think of it like this. Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe still have jobs with the Edmonton Oilers. If they didn't make a single trade, their team would be exponentially better. They would have problems getting under the cap because they would have so many valuable players. The most valuable person in the organization would have been if they just hired the don't do that guy. Paid someone 100k a year to stay behind the GM and just repeatedly say don't do Or just like don't Mc- have a GM. Like Sean McVay's <laughs> strength and conditioning coach that also pulls him back from the sidelines. Yeah. Like that guy. No, 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 no. No, no, don't make that trade. No, 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 don't sign that guy. Yeah. 100%. Um, Funniest and stupidest take. I'm going to have my my Brad moment of anyone with half a brain, including myself, called this the moment it happened. People are saying, I, I read something and I wish I would have I remembered the exact wording so I could be the jerk who calls out this person. But they said something like, well, a lot of people praised uh, the Lucic contract when it was signed. No, no one did. Everyone called it the worst contract in the NHL the moment pen hit paper. There are definitely Oilers beat writers who called it a good contract. Oh, my God. There it was definitely that somebody must have somewhere through and through the fact that Rick DiPietro is still being paid by the New York, New York Islanders does not reach the levels of stupidity that that contract is. That's not even the worst contract in New York. That, uh, what's his name? Bobby Yeah, (laughs) that guy. Million dollars every July 1st from 2000 to like 2029. Yeah. Good for him. That's the type of career I want. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) If I go in the NHL right now, I'm getting my bell rung. I'm getting spines cracking. For league minimum, I do it. Does Shirelli get a job in the NHL ever again? Yes. No. I think he does, and I hate it. Not as a GM, Um, but he will be an assistant GM, an advisor, a consultant, uh, something of hockey ops somewhere. He's got to do something right at the GM position to have been a GM for as long as he has now, been. Now, keep in mind, we all, we only look at the hockey decisions. The general manager does so much more than that within the organization. Like, they have to manage up. They have to manage expectations with the president, the owner, yada, yada, yada. They have to relay messages down to the team. So, for all we know, Peter Shirley might be an excellent communicator within the organization. That might be his sweet spot. He's, he's a very good buffer between the team and the higher-ups. Um, and that's why he keeps getting jobs. That's why... Because his hockey decisions are catastrophically bad and have always been. So he's got to be doing something well to keep getting jobs. And that might very well be it. So he might fall or probably will fall, if that's the case, into another position in another organization where he's not on the hockey ops side of things, but he's still in the management end of things. As long as it's in the Atlantic and not on Detroit. 
Yeah, I'm petrified right now. Yeah. yeah. There's two sides of the coin. There's Steve Eiserman on the one, and there's Peter Shirelli on the other, and I hope it's not a 50-50 toss. On that note, uh, Ken Holland has come up as a name to possibly move over to Edmonton. Um, things that Edmonton need. The polar... Like, if Peter Shirelli and the old boys club is is one hand, the other hand is like the Kyle Dubases of the world, right? The John Shakos. And I think they Edmonton needs more of the latter. Someone to clean house... Do some evidence-based decision making. So Detroit isn't isn't at the same level of boys club as Edmonton, but Detroit definitely has a lot of oh, yeah, people they, that are still they make in a lot the of organizations, and we're very lucky that a lot have not been boneheaded hires. Um, yeah. So where was I going with this point? So uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is. I think Edmonton needs something more like that, but that's an idealist view if you're just like an objective hockey fan or, or an Oilers fan. A lot of people are saying Ken Holland wouldn't be good. Do I think he'd be the best? No. However, Ken Holland, if you put him on a team that has an established core of stars or a superstar, I can think of worse GMs to, to manage that team. He Ken Holland, okay. Ken Holland would have one very key effect in Edmonton. If there's a guy who needs to go in there and change the culture, Kenny's the guy. That's been his biggest thing in Detroit forever. Culture, culture, culture. He knows that you have to get everybody from top down to buy into the same message, the same model, yada, 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 which does not look like it's happening in Edmonton right now. Because even a lot of what Nicholson was saying in his presser from a strategy standpoint is the opposite of what Shirelli was doing. Um, McDavid looks 20 years older than he did last year. Because of all this. Question. Have you seen Shirelli and Hugh Jackson in the same room at the same time? I'm just putting it out there. I read a very funny story about Hugh Jackson's hiring. Yeah. Firing. Hiring. Hiring. I heard a funny story about his hiring. I heard a funny story about his firing. You first. Okay, so his funny story about his hiring was um, the powers that be that were in the interview had interviewed two coaches um, What through the full interview process and they were making the decision. The votes were four to one. Okay, four votes in favor of hiring, hiring Sean McDermott, the current Buffalo Bills head coach. One vote for Hugh Jackson, and Haslam was the vote. For Hugh oh Jackson. God! So he just Haslam being vote. the owner. Yeah, he's just like, nope, we're hiring Hugh Jackson, and Sean McDermott has gone over and done a fantastic job for the Bills. So I'm thankful for that. Um. When when Hugh Jackson was fired from the Cleveland Browns of the NFL, for those of you who don't know, I um, didn't know this. He, he uh, Jack Dorsey, the GM, and someone else walked into his office and they let him go. And when they asked him, Hugh Jas- Jackson asked them for a reason, and they said something like, "The team gave up on you, like f- however many games into the season." And Hugh Jackson, having just been fired, said the words, "Get the f- out of my office." <laughs> <laughs> what a so, legend. Uh, well, uh, Hugh? Not, uh, I feel like maybe, Hugh, you maybe missed the point of uh, of this one. Conversation. In hey. fairness to Peter Shirelli, he has handled his firing gracefully. He just he put out a very generic statement. Hasn't been in the media. Yeah. He He's somewhere ignore. warm right now. That organization still has a long way to go, though. So let's get into that because. Um, what I do you mean? Know. They just signed their next starting goalie. Well, yeah. technical factual statement is factual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they sign him to that extension, and then Detroit scores to proceeds to score three on him out of the three goals. 
None of them should have went. That Larkin, that Larkin one, he looked, Koskinen looked like he was just snoozing. The second Glendening, when I say second Glendening one, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. But that second Glendening one, that, I, it looked like he almost put it through his stomach. Um, <laughs> wow, what a, what a Helms a 40 goal scorer. What a hard shot. I just want to point out here too, when we were, since a couple episodes ago, we were comparing uh, Abdelkader to Glendening. Glenn Denning literally scores a goal, possibly through a goalie. Justin Abdelkader <laughs> missed an empty net breakaway. That was amazing. So we got we got some feedback after the last episode saying, guys, we get it. Abby's bad. Let's maybe switch it up. And I was like, yeah, you know what? We have we been laying, on, laying it a little thick. But then he goes and does that. I'm like, man, come on. He misses an empty net. <laughs> it writes in, itself. In Edmonton, in a one-goal one game. If there are 10 more seconds on the clock, we're in Patrick Stefan 2.0. Yeah, that'd be bad. Empty net breakaway. And I'm I'm mad Patrick Stefan 2.0 didn't happen because uh, the Detroit Red Wings launched from 31st in the league up to 26th. They have since come down to 4th last, I believe. Uh, is it 4th last? I think there was a game last night that affected them. Still 26th. Yep. Yeah, but everyone they were fourth. everyone behind them besides Chicago can leapfrog them with the games in hand. <laughs> yeah, because that's going to happen. It happened last time. Yeah, that's true. Um, so anyways, let's go back, get back to Edmonton because I want to talk about Nicholson's presser because if we want to summarize the level of just utter chaos and lack of direction in the Oilers front office, he made the following two statements. I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but he said... We are not moving assets for quick fixes. And then he also proceeded to say, the expectation is that we make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So how many more minutes can McDavid play a night? Yeah. Because that, to to make the playoffs, since you're not getting a new coach, he said, Ken, he also said Ken Hitchcock isn't going anywhere. So you're Nor not should he. the coach. You don't plan on improving the team through using your assets. Are you just is your plan just to tell the team to be better? Why should Ken Hitchcock go anywhere? No, he should. I'm, I don't care about that. I'm just saying he expects his team to make the playoffs, which then implies they have to improve. Yeah, but he's not willing to sell future assets to improve the team. So they're just gonna live in purgatory, basically. I am well, so confused. They, like, unless he's looking at like Athanasius or Colton Pareko who have term, but then do you know how many future assets you have to sell to so, improve the team? So apparently some version of Edmonton, I don't know if it's the Chirelli era or the post Chirelli era, is actively interested in a player like Athanasiu. As they should be. He'd be a perfect compliment to McDavid. An Athanasiu trade is different than a Nyquist trade. Athanasiu is 24 years old and has shown a huge... Uh, of outbursts in production and talent this year. Realization of raw talent is especially rare when you have a lot of raw talent. And that is no, a fast player who can generate chances and put pucks in the net. To play on McDavid's wing, you have the luxury of moving dry sidle around. You now have two strong scoring lines. That is huge for Edmonton. And he's only 24 years old. And he's contract controlled for another three years. Is it three years or one? How much time does he? Have? He's not a UFA until twenty-seven. Really? And he's only if he's only twenty-four. He's oh, oh, you're talking about UFA RFA. Oh, yeah, I was like his contract only goes till next year, right? He's controlled. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, for sorry. Three more years. So again, that's. It's like what did I miss? But again, if you're the red, the Red Wings, and again, Friedman was talking about this on the Three One podcast. They're not looking to move him, and if they did, they would be asking for a king's ransom in return. Evan Bouchard. Bouchard. <laughs> Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard. So he's uh, not French. I I I read a few. It's funny because people don't know how to value either Bouchard or Athanasiu. Well, it would be hard to value Athanasiu. A lot of Red Wings fans are saying no. Athanasiu wouldn't get Bouchard, and a lot of like fans, not Red Wings fans, are saying Bouchard wouldn't be enough. I tend to fall into the latter. Bouchard wouldn't be enough. Because not that I'm saying Athanasi will be a better NHLer than Evan Bouchard, because we don't know that. I think Evan Bouchard's got a legitimate possibility to be a number two defenseman on a good team. The thing is, we know uh, Andreas Athanasiu is a good top six forward in the NHL right now. We don't know that Evan Bouchard is a good, a good NHL player. So there's an element of a gamble there. So you would expect a kicker, not a huge kicker. But just a little bit of an insurance policy, a second-round pick, a half-assed prospect. Maybe it's like a, I don't know who else is in their system that's not Kyler Yamamoto, Yossi Pugliarvi, a Tyler Benson, maybe. Just, I, I would do it straight up. Isn't he their leading scorer this year, who? Tyler Benson? No, he hasn't played an NHL game yet. I meant, oh, well, that doesn't mean he can't be on Edmonton. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I meant on their AHL team. Maybe. I haven't paid that much attention to the Bakersfield Condors. Who can predict what Edmonton's going to do now? So they currently within the, everything this, is the this is the art of war. <laughs> the GM role is currently being undertaken by Bob Nicholson, which terrible, and uh, Keith Gretzky. Those two guys. Half of that guy's name is fantastic. So yeah, Keith is a wonderful name because you have to think from the ages of like zero to eight. That would have been hilarious. Oh, to be just calling a little. Didn't kid you? Keith. Do you guys see the thing they did at? Um uh msg and it was the they're playing the coyotes and it was the family guy little part where they're like they go up to some security door and they're like and the things like the question is what is the worst name and it's like and they're like keith <laughs> and then they show a picture of keith yandel on the bench <laughs> and he, start, he looks up and just That's starts laughing where was this in dallas no it was at madison square gardens oh in new york yeah okay. My favorite troll over the PA is still in the Milwaukee Bucks um, after Kawhi Leonard committed a turnover while the Raptors were playing him. They played the Kawhi laugh. Over oh, the my system. God. <laughs> I love that laugh. He's good. He's very good. He's real good at the basketball. The only people I love more than Kawhi Leonard in the NBA, um, LeBron James, I'm not sorry, and uh, Greg Popovich. <laughs> I, his interviews are amazing. Oh, God, I love Pop so much. So one of his former assistant coaches, who's now on a different team, called him like the greatest coach of all time. And Pop, they told him, he's like, oh, what a kiss-ass. What a kiss-ass. That's why I got rid of that guy. No good. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, legend. Oh, and that's how everybody in the Detroit Red Wings organization keeps their job. Mm. Anyways. Did we say welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast? No. no. Welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. We're 21 minutes in. Well... Yeah, just about. Our main topic today is Edmonton <laughs> Oilers and the firing of Peter. Yeah, we're an Edmonton Oilers podcast now. Well, I I'm I'm being serious when I say like the Red Wings lost a big trade partner. No, they literally did. But I'm again, I don't know what's gonna happen because I'm confused. They want to improve, but they're not willing to sell assets. I have a feeling. My gut feeling now is Edmonton is gonna get stagnant and they're gonna do barely anything at the deadline because they're confused. Uh, I think so, and I think everyone in there is going to be a little bit petrified because the, the basically the figurehead of the old boys club 
just got fired and Bob Nicholson and everyone else must be feeling that they're not safe. Kate's you know who the only person who can save this organization convince the Kate's family to clean house and then step the hell back? Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. Throw up a fit, say, I will hold out, I will leave, I won't stand for this. I know I am this entire franchise. I'm the greatest player you've had since Gretzky. I could very well be the greatest player since Gretzky, but you've been surrounding me with crap. God, what imagine you- if he had ha- like just some competent bums. Fire Lowe, fire McTavish, fire Nicholson, fire all of them. Bring in evidence-based decision-making. Bring in not necessarily just experience, but just just common sense and logic. Shit, if they play Twitch, let's play Edmonton Oilers, I think they'd be in a better spot than they were now. I got two names to keep in mind. Brad doesn't know what that is. Do you know what Twitch is? Yeah. I know what Twitch is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Remember, like, Twitch plays Pokemon? Yes. Oh, all right. Okay. 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 Anyways, two names to keep an eye on. Keith Gretzky. Sorry. What is the worst first Mark name? Hunter. Hunter and Kelly McCrimmon. Both uh. have ties. Both both would be first-time NHL GMs, but kind of come from that old-school, no-nonsense background. Excellent talent evaluators. Same wavelength, Brad. This is kind of cute. So It's bothering me immensely. If I had to, I had to put money on any candidates, those are my two front-runners. I have no idea if Edmonton's going to try and get someone before the end of the season or they're going to ride this season out and then hope that Kenny Holland becomes available or something. I I honestly don't know, but it's going to be interesting. There are a lot of factors in play now that would motivate Holland to at least consider an earlier exit than the possible one more year as GM while Eisman's on as an advisor and then he steps back. That is, I mean, I, I completely probably expect the guy to take the route of I want to stay with this organization forever and I know my time is finally up I'll step into that executive role while Eisman steps in as a GM however if he truly wants to keep GMing as he said Seattle is open Edmonton is open now someone named me another team that's open because my tone of voice suggested more than two teams on this list I would still prefer to go to Seattle not only do you do you not have to live in Edmonton you get to live in but Seattle. But you don't inherit the mistakes of your predecessor. He's got a lot of anchors to deal with in Edmonton, whereas you step into Seattle, you get to make your own mistakes. Sorry, yeah, Seattle. You go into Seattle and make your own mistakes, yeah. I'd rather GM Edmonton. I mean, you get McDavid. I have, I'm have. i starting <laughs> with the key. I have the hardest thing to acquire in the game of hockey. An elite generational talent. I can I'd rather build around him than build from scratch. Brad's too old for the hipster lifestyle. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah, too much flannel for me. Way too much. I watched this show. I watched this show on Netflix. It's uh oh, I can't remember what it's called, but essentially they just like renovate rental homes like Airbnbs and That could they, be any show on HBO. They make it better. And it's it's not instant hotel, which is also a good one. Um, it is called Stay Here. And uh, the first one they did was a houseboat on Seattle. And you can rent it for like $700 a night or something nuts like that. Plus That's fees and everything. Actually, not that bad. Is it like a yacht? For a houseboat. Or is it like a pontoon boat. No, no, it's like a houseboat. Like typical houseboat. Like the, have you seen the pictures of houseboats in Amsterdam? That Ryan, they, I have never seen a houseboat in my life. 
They literally think of it like yeah, but your white R- isn't that part of your like white adulthood exam? Uh, yeah, it's a bonus question. It's a bonus <laughs> section. It's a bonus question. I've been to a cottage. Ever- okay. <laughs> they're like they're like RVs. What, that are on water. Yeah, basically. that's a great way. But you don't need a boater's <laughs> license to drive one. You don't? <laughs> no. Because you. Well, I can't drive my own house, Ossifer. They don't go that fast. Um, but our <laughs> well, friends it have a. Matter. I have my boating license. Yeah, our friends have a, a cottage where you the, can uh, rent them. Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah, they're our friends. Uh, for his bachelor party, there was like ten of them. They rented one. Just dudes. And apparently, like, after the first night, they're like, people need to sleep outside. It smells too bad in yeah, here. <laughs> no, I'm not. I lived in a dorm in, in university in the first year. Yeah. I had no interest. You, It was uh, an L-shaped wing. And as you turned the corner, you could smell the men. Oh, yeah. Which oh, is yeah. probably the grossest quote I've had on this show to <laughs> you date. You can smell the men. Uh, are we done with Edmonton? Have we fleshed out as much as we can? Well, I feel like we got very tangential during it, but I think if you piece together the parts, yeah, we covered, we covered just about everything we should. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. I will make a bet right now. Will garner zero points in the standings over the next eight days. Moving on. The All Star break is my coming. Fa- my favorite was even though I sent out the tweet, all the people that tweeted at me losing their minds when Hirona got sent to Grand. Oh Rapids. yeah. I'm like, guys, guys, the Wings don't play. At the time, I'm like, the Wings don't play for 10 days. He's going to play for Grand Rapids so he can actually play. Yeah. I I was like, oh, this is going to take some explaining. And I saw you tweeted. I'm like, thank God. But it's still, yeah, no. Um, going to the, the Sunday, we'll cover more of the All-Star break. Um, yeah, and we'll, um, Craig Custins also put out a really long piece about Jeff Blashill. Yeah. We were going to do a deep dive into that on Sunday. Uh-huh. So, because there's nothing else to talk about. There's no more games between now and the next episode. And the episode after, I believe. Yeah. So those would be the, well, next week's episode, week to episode, is the Patreon exclusive. The oh, that's right. Class. That's so perfect. Love that timing, buddy. Patrons. So then Evan's idea of the mid-season awards will do Sunday. I won't be here. Wait, which Sunday? <laughs> this Sunday. I won't be here. Going on. That's you can. Uh, email us your picks or text us your picks. I will not. He, Evan absolutely will not. Yeah, there's no way I'll be doing no, that. Zero it'd chance. It'd be so fun for us to read your picks out loud and then just shred them without you being able to defend yourself. It would be. He's right. You, Evan, do this, please. <clears throat> no. For us. For no. the listeners. No. Evan. Yeah, here, how about this? If I get to 1,000 followers on, tw- uh, I was about to say Twitch, <laughs> on Twitter... By Sunday, I will do it. What's He's that? nine away. He's at 991. Nine? Oh, my God. I'm at Hockeytown Evan. Brad's, follow him. Brad's going to get a lot of, like, weird Russian sexy bots to start following I, me. No, oh, go- let's see if I... Oh, nope. I'm at 993. <laughs> oh, go bot, like, seven bots. more of you, please. At Hockeytown Evan. Please get him to 1,000 so he has to submit his picks. Please. And then after that, tweet at Hockeytown Evan. What time are you doing the episode on Sunday? So that, that really dictates. Morning, I would assume. Morning. Okay, so it has to be basically like Saturday at midnight. That's not nearly enough time. That's two days. Evan, Evan, if you don't do this, we're going to get them all to tweet at you again. That's Remember the last two time days. that happened? If we record at 10 a.m. on Sunday, you were absolutely not getting us your picks between midnight and 10 a.m. So let's say noon on Saturday. Okay. 
I'll you be out snowboard. No, I won't. While be we're at it, Saturday. go on Twitter. Follow at Winged Wheel Pod. That's our main account, and then go to the uh, the bio. Wait, all of our over? all of our accounts are listed there. Follow us. We love engaging with you guys on Twitter. Sometimes when I'm like, I am far too busy. I have no time to be doing anything else besides my adult obligations. I pull up my phone, and my muscle memory takes me to Twitter. I'm addicted to you, freaks. This is yeah. bad. Someone, please help me. Thank you.